On today's episode, we're talking with a real couple about their plans and decision to host an intimate wedding. They did not have a small wedding just because it was a pandemic, though. They had planned to do a small wedding all along, but the reasons why might surprise you. So whether you're trying to decide what size wedding is right for you, or a larger wedding just doesn't feel like your style, but you're still trying to decide what is, you're going to get a lot out of this week's episode. So let's get to it. Listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verve Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Hey guys, it's Desiree. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to first give a shout out to our sponsors. The first is our own wedding planning template shop. Regardless of where you are in your wedding planning journey, this shop has tons of resources I created specifically for you based on a lot of the tools I use with my own clients. My most popular items these days is the ultimate wedding planning checklist for couples, no surprise there, and the wedding mood board template. The checklist is a game changer when it comes to knowing what to do and when in your wedding planning journey. And for all my decor obsessed couples and fellow wedding pros, the wedding mood board template turns that messy Pinterest board into a cohesive and organized decor roadmap for your day. You can pick up these products and more in the wedding planning template shop at shop.verveventco.com. Again, that's shop.verveventco.com. And don't forget to use my special podcast discount code, which is podcast10 during checkout. Again, use the code podcast10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. The second sponsor of our podcast is The Planner's Playbook. I have been in the wedding industry for almost five years and have been planning and executing events for over 15 years, and I am constantly learning and still trying to level up my game. Candice Coppola, who is the master behind The Planner's Playbook, is also my business mentor, and she has put together an incredible coaching program called The Planner's Playbook. Now, if you want to fast track your wedding planning career, This is your secret weapon to planning, designing, and coordinating magazine-worthy weddings. Seriously. It's designed for wedding planners who are five years or fewer into their business, and it will give you all the training and support you need for a multitude of things, including simplifying your planning process so you have a clear picture of how to work with your clients on any occasion or budget. It will also help boost your productivity with solid systems and processes that make wedding planning easy. I am a spreadsheet queen and Candace's spreadsheets are the bomb.com. So amazing. Every month you will receive a new playbook straight to your inbox and it will be filled with tangible and tactile advice on everything from how to plan a tented wedding to preparing client budgets, mapping out your client journey, all of the things. And the last playbook was over 70 pages of amazing information and I'm still going through it. How can you say no to this? Also, The doors to the planner's playbook open only four times a year, but you can ditch the wait list and join anytime by visiting my unique sponsor link. Imagine all of the things you could accomplish if you had the right resources and support to guide you. So if you want to learn more about the planner's playbook, head to verveventco.com forward slash planner's playbook. Again, you can skip the wait list and get instant access with my unique link by visiting verveventco.com forward slash planner's playbook. Now, the last sponsor of our podcast is Lovestream. I have used Lovestream with my weddings and my couples are so happy with it. Not to mention they have excellent customer service, which is huge for me. Now, even though we all thought we would be getting back to a quote unquote normal wedding, Luckily, Lovestream is a one-way, high-definition, high-quality way to stream your wedding and help your guests feel like they're still a part of the audience at your wedding, even though they're sitting on their own couch at home. Your guests click on your personal URL, and they're able to watch without logging in, downloading an app, or messing with their microphone settings. Seriously, how many times have you been in a Zoom meeting and someone forgot to mute themselves? Imagine if that happened at your wedding. 
True story. Now, if you are planning a destination wedding, they also offer all-inclusive live streaming destination wedding packages. I really like Lovestream because the platform is so easy to use for any size wedding. But what I love best about the company is their excellent customer service, which starts right when you visit their site and their live chat feature lets you ask questions before and after you book with them. Seriously, it's so amazing. Now, to get 10% off any Lovestream package, visit verveventcocom forward slash love stream and enter the code ask 10 for 10% off. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash love stream and use our code ask 10 for 10% off any love stream virtual wedding package. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and to you, our listeners. Without you, we wouldn't be able to have this show. I couldn't make all this free content without your support. So thank you so much for listening, subscribing, supporting our sponsors, and supporting the show. And now, on to today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Ask the Planner. In today's episode, we're interviewing one last couple before the end of season two. And this couple I have known for a long time. Elisa and I went to college together and basically we were the same person. We had many same extracurriculars and classes together. Um, And coincidentally, I didn't plan this, we're recording on Colgate Day and... (laughs) That's basically for anyone that didn't go to Colgate, that's Friday the 13th. Um, but that wasn't planned because I sprang this on Elisa mm, two days ago and she very willingly obliged and said Peter would do it too. So yay. Um, Peter came on the scene a little bit later, but I don't love him any less because of it. And I loved getting to know Peter these past few years. And I think this is going to be a very, very fun episode. I wanted to bring Elisa and Peter on the show today because I had someone ask me to do an episode on mini weddings and courthouse weddings and elopements, uh, more intimate weddings. And I immediately thought of Elisa and Peter for this reason. I don't want to give too much away, but Elisa and Peter got married during the height of the pandemic. And I'm talking May 2020 in New York City, which was basically ground zero here for COVID. And at that time, basically no one could do anything or see anyone, at least not publicly or in person, but we'll get more to that in today's episode. For the show notes of today's episode, visit verveventco.com forward slash 66. And trust me, you're going to want to get the show notes and also to see photos from their beautiful wedding because even though it was intimate, it was still so fun and so beautiful. So without further ado, please help me welcome Elisa and Peter to the show. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to chat. Des, thank you so much for having us. And on Colgate Day, no less. It was all meant to be. Awesome. So first, I like to start each episode getting to know our guests a little bit before we dive into the interview. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about where you're from, how you all met, where you live now? Absolutely. So the TLDR, I grew up in kind of small town Ohio, but ever since going to Colgate with Desiree, which is how we met way back when, won't say how many years ago, I've been living in New York City Worked in magazines for a really long time as a writer and social media editor, and then jumped over to my current job now at Instagram, which is really fun, really creative work. Um, Do some programs and planning over there, although nothing on the scale of planning a wedding. Um, And when I was just jumping from, actually right around the time I was changing jobs, I met Peter on Hinge. And yeah, yeah, what do they say? The rest is history? The rest is history. Yeah. Um, I grew up in uh, D.C. suburbs in Maryland, um, went to Hamilton College, so not far from me, so, you know. Neighbors. Yeah, the yeah. Valley represent. And, um, uh, and Elisa and I, you know, met over online. I was also working in publishing for a long time, um, but on the music side of things um, and uh, kind of transitioned more into advertising and tech. So, but yeah, we met in 2017. Elisa took six months to write me back on Hinge. Um, <laughs> Six. I mean, I'm not surprised, but maybe it was just not the right time. Now, now that I, you know, I know her so well. I feel like six months, like turnaround, is that's pretty good for some, yeah. some inquiries. Um, yeah, and um, yeah. So we uh, we met then, and uh, we had this like very jet setting life back before COVID. We're traveling a lot for work and like having lots of fun in New York City, and moved into an apartment together in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. 
Um, and yeah, that was where we got engaged in the apartment in Williamsburg. Yeah, and now we're a tripod. We welcomed <laughs> our first son, Simon, um, last summer. So that's our story. Yay. Um, who, Simon is so cute. And I love the little deck you made for his birthday party. Oh, my God, guys. It's so cute. Wonderland. I love the theme so much. <clears throat> so let's start before even the beginning, um, if that even exists. So Elisa, So before the wedding planning even got started. So Elisa, when we were in school and randomly talking about getting married one day, way down the road, you know, because we we're young singles in college. <laughs> I don't know how it came up, but I remember you saying that you didn't really want a quote unquote big wedding. And from what I recall, you said you want to get married at City Hall and not have a party, not have a party. And basically that was it. So even before, you know, COVID and the pandemic hit, you always at least originally wanted to have something smaller. Can you tell us more a little bit about that and why you thought about that or even, you know, why, you know, why you thought that? Yeah. You know, even though it's been two years since we got married, I feel like I still haven't fully unpacked why I feel everything I feel about weddings. But I think even back in the college days, I think there was almost this feeling way back when, long before I was having a wedding, of kind of wanting to fight against this idea that a wedding needed to be a certain kind of way. And I felt like I wanted my wedding to be about love and family and not so much getting caught up in all of the other pieces of it, which I will acknowledge is a weird thing for me to say because I love weddings and actually love all of the pieces that we traditionally associate with weddings. And I, Desiree knows this more than anybody, like love to throw a good party. Um, so I love going to other people's weddings. I sort of, and Des, as you mentioned, I've already put together this like 14 page deck for my kid's first birthday party. But there was something about envisioning. I just didn't envision myself as being a part of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Peter, did you feel the same way, you know, before meeting Elisa? Or did you feel differently when you were thinking about getting married? Or was it something that not, never came up? Um, I did not have conversations with my friends in college about what I wanted to do. You're wondering. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, it's just, I think the weddings I always enjoyed were ones where it felt really representative of like the, the couple and like their, their personalities and their interests. And like, it wasn't about their family or like their parents or like, you know, it, it, it felt like a real expression of the life they were creating together. So that was a priority for me. And like, look, if I, if I met Elisa and she was like, I want a big honking wedding and that's going to make me feel good. And that's going to be a big representation of me. Then like, great, you know, um, but that wasn't the case. And so I was happy to, you know, go with that plan. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. So let's fast forward a little bit to after you two became engaged. Uh, when did you become engaged? Tell us a little bit about that. And then what kind of wedding were you guys envisioning um, at that time? Prior, prior to the pandemic. So I think what's funny about both of us is we're kind of like a little bit procrastinating. It's kind of like in our DNA. So we got engaged in December of 2019 and we were excited to do it right before the holidays so we could see our families and like celebrate with them and, you know, all that. And then I don't think we really had a strong sense of like, okay, how quickly do we need to plan a wedding or like when do we want to do it? Um, But we kind of decided really quickly, like, about the scale and just, like, that we wanted intimacy, we wanted it to be a close-knit group, and we kind of wanted to focus on, like, New York, Brooklyn, like, our lives here um, versus, like, having, like, a big destination wedding or, like, having one where we're inviting tons of guests who are flying in from all over the country or the world or whatever. Um, So, but we didn't really start with, like, any kind of, like, we didn't jump into the planning like right off the bat, I think we weren't, there wasn't a huge sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I mean, one decision, one thing, one um, constraint that we were working with initially when we were planning to do this in person, I have two sisters that I'm close with and knew that I wanted them to be super involved in the wedding. And my one sister is a kindergarten teacher. So we sort of knew that that meant that the only time she would really be able to, you know, come down for a whole week and be there for the preparation for the whole thing would be if we did it in the summer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we kind of 
knew that we were starting off with a short timeline because we definitely didn't want to have, we didn't, we knew that we didn't want to have a long engagement, right. you know, so it was December, 2019. And we were basically like, this is going to happen in the summer of 2020. So mm-hmm. that was one that we were working with, um, was knowing that we wanted to do it in the summer. And yeah, I think we, Probably a lot of couples, I feel like this is a kind of a common origin story. I was really certain that I wanted it to be a super small group, just our immediate families. But, you know, then the reality of like when you're writing the note in your phone of the VIP guest list, it sort of just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Um, Peter in particular has a wider group of family that he's close with. Um, and so you know, you start to play that game of like, well, of course we have to have X, Y, Z people on the list. Um, and you know, all of a sudden it became unrealistic. I think that we would really be able to do this micro wedding concept for like 20 people. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's true for a lot of people. A lot of people Mm -hmm. think the small wedding, but then when it really comes down to it, there's people you need to have in the room. So Mm -hmm. once we micro wedding was off the table, we sort of said, how do we do a bigger party for a hundred people that still feels like us? Um, There's this barbecue joint in Brooklyn called hometown barbecue. That's kind of a thing. And they just opened a new event space. So when that came on our radar, it actually felt perfect. Um, I know people might not think barbecue joint and think wedding, but to us, we felt like it would be a way of sort of having that backyard wedding vibe, but in New York City. And the New York City of it all was important to us because that's our home. It's a place that's meaningful to us. So um, it kind of felt like the best of both worlds. So we had our deposit in on hometown barbecue. We're moving full steam ahead with like summer barbecue wedding bash. And then we all know what happened next. (laughs) And then the pandemic hit. But before we get to that, um, so when you were planning the backyard-ish barbecue for like 100, was that still mostly local people too? Or was that able to extend to some family that are like, like in Maryland, et, et cetera. Yeah. So when we were, when we sort of, it basically felt like, it basically felt like our smallest of VIPs ended up being like 40 people. And that mm-hmm. was just sort of family and the closest of close nearby friends. Mm-hmm. And then we got to a point when you're doing the math of it all, where you're kind of like, well, if we're going to throw an event for 40 people, we might as well throw an event for a hundred people was I think kind of where we landed. Mm-hmm. I felt like, no, like we looked at spaces, the spaces that were like the right size for our event at that, like low, that smaller number, there just weren't very many of them. And as Elisa said, like the costs of doing it, just getting the event up and running in those smaller spaces it like wasn't a huge stretch to open up the guest list a bit more. Right. And I think just like finding places in, in New York city. Like I think there's a lot of bigger places and a lot of teeny tiny ones. And there were just weren't a ton of those in between size places that we were, we were finding. Yeah, that's a good point. And I actually wonder, and of course, as you would know best, I wonder if that's actually changed over the past year um, as you know, for COVID reasons, people have maybe, there's been even more interest in doing something on a slightly smaller scale, but yeah, we definitely found it felt like you could go the route of doing like, like I should also say like city hall was off the table immediately because Mm -hmm. all in New York, you can't make a reservation. So it was a possibility, you know, and one of the people on our VIP list that I wanted there was like my, at the time, 90 year old grandmother. And I was just like, this is just not feasible that even if we're going with just our small group of VIPs, it's just like not feasible that we like show up to city hall and potentially wait for like three hours to do this. You know, that's not really the fantasy you have in your mind of that sort of laid back. And then, you know, a lot of people would say, what about doing a park wedding? Um, And I just felt so nervous in June about trying to do anything outside. And then also the logistics of that with the grandmother factor. I was like, well, but a cab can only drop you at the perimeter of the park. And then that still becomes a sort of to-do to shuffle everyone in and my nieces and nephews. And and as Peter said, there was, it felt like there was like not very many in-between. 
it's, it's like you either get married on like the side of the road in the park and like hope people can just like trudge through or you are spending money to rent out a space for a hundred plus people. Um, so once we sort of realized that the reality of doing something for 40 people was that there weren't very many options, we kind of were starting to scale up. Right. And I think, you know, what? I said begrudgingly. <laughs> begrudgingly. No, I think that's, I think probably a lot of people have that experience of you guys where you want something small and intimate, but then you're like, well, the economies of scale and like different things that are factoring into it, like how, and I think still, you know, 40, even a hundred, some, to some people, a hundred people is still like, that's tiny. I think it's a great number because it's not overwhelming. Um, and then as far as like, I think venues, I think a lot of people during the pandemic were just like, I'm just going to get married in our backyard because I can control that venue. I can control how many people come. It's big enough, you know, et cetera. I think with the people that own venue spaces, at, you know, they're paying rent. So I think they have to figure out what makes sense for them to break even business-wise, et cetera, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I think that there are places that are opening up um, because people are like, oh, I have a barn property or I have this home, you know, but there's also wear and tear on um, a on a facility if you have events. So I think trying to figure out what how much should they be charging because if you're trying to do something on the more intimate side, which is going to be less wear and tear, um, I think you, you're limiting yourself to a certain population. So they just have to think about it for their business, what makes sense for them and how much money do they want to be making. So yeah. lots of things. Uh, like out, places with outdoor space, not to like fast forward into COVID zone, but like mm-hmm. I, I imagine there's like a little bit of an evolution in wedding venue these days because like in the event of that being an issue, like having the outdoor option, especially, you know, if the weather's nice is like huge. And I think in the city, we, we definitely were looking at that too, as a factor, even before COVID, like does this place have somewhere outside, like to at least walk, you know, get some fresh air or whatever. And like, there weren't as many places that had that, or even had like an outdoor space for the ceremony. You know, that could right. Yeah. And I think it's just different aesthetics that people have. Uh, you know, some people love that whole ballroom look, which is fine. But then a lot of, I think it's m- typically more trendy now to do something outside, inside, outside, you know, so it's just lots of different factors. Okay. But let's get to, you know, March when when the world shut down, also on Friday the 13th, I believe. Because <laughs> I was supposed to, I know, because I was supposed to go to a Colgate thing that night and then we canceled. Um, but then you had to rethink your plans. So probably, you know, you took some time, but what was that like for you guys? You know, you had, you had started going off in one direction, m- m- bigger than what you'd planned, still on the intimate side. And then obviously you had to shift, um, but you didn't want to necessarily compromise stuff. What was that like? And what were your feelings like? I just remember like we were the week before like COVID hit, we went away to Florida for Elisa's birthday. And I remember we were getting dressed to go out to dinner and Elisa looked at me and she was like scrolling on her phone. And she was like, I think this like coronavirus thing is going to be a thing. And like, I was like, eh, like, you know, like, you know, we've, we've heard this before bird flu and blah, blah, blah. And like, we didn't even think anything of it. And then of course, like it was just a couple of days later that really everything changed. Um, so I don't think the, I mean, I think the first thing we were thinking about was like, especially living in New York where things were a little bit bonkers, it was just like, what is our life now? You know, before we even thought about our wedding or anything else, we probably took a couple, like a little bit of time to just like gather gather ourselves and understand what was going on in the world before we step back into thinking about something that at the time felt really trivial, like our wedding, you know, like we were healthy, we were like together, you know, like that was the important thing. And then, you know, if we were able to get back on the horse with the wedding, great. But if not, like, I don't know, it wasn't front of mind for me right away. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, but what I actually remember about it was, so yeah, we were in Florida when all this like news was breaking and then we were back in New York, what was supposed to happen the next weekend was that my mother-in-law, my parents, my sisters, everyone was coming to town and we were going to do this big New York weekend with our families together that was going to include like cake tasting and like 
going wedding dress shopping. So this is March, 2020. Basically you can see, as I mentioned earlier, like I procrastinate. So like, yes, going wedding dress shopping in March for a June wedding is already late by the time frame that, that, um, you know, for a custom order they recommend. Um, but I wasn't that worried about it. I sort of didn't really want the whole like ball gown wedding dress anyway. So I'd always kind of thought that I would do like more of an off the rack approach. Anyway, the point is we were really excited to have our family in town. And of course, what ended up happening was we had to cancel the whole trip because there were starting to be these like murmurs that maybe transportation would need to shut down because of this virus thing. So um, that was actually a piece of the entire experience that I ended up that I still kind of have regrets about that we weren't able to do. You know, you always envision going wedding dress shopping with your mom, with your sisters. So I feel a little bit regretful about that, but I still did go wedding dress shopping with my girlfriends in the city. We had a blast. I Um, I drove Elisa in to drop her off for this appointment. Yeah. First appointment. Cause I was just like, like, you shouldn't take the subway. Yeah. Like, and it was just that weird moment. It was like before things had shut down, but people were starting to be cautious. I'm sure I like found Purell somewhere and brought it with me. But um, what I remember about that experience was that um, a few days after I went wedding dress shopping, of course, all the places I went wedding dress shopping shamed me. Like, it's too late to order something from June. You only be able to get something off of like this rack. That's a whole separate rant. But then it was like the next day I was getting calls and they're like, actually, we can't order anything for you because like our warehouses are shutting down. Um, So that was kind of that was an interesting marker of the times. But at that moment, I thought well, it's fine. They'd already announced that in the next couple of days, everything was going to be shutting down in New York City. And I thought, well, it's fine. I'll just go to Bloomingdale's in a couple of weeks when everything opens up again. Um, so that was sort of where, you know, and it's so hard to get back into that mental state of March, 2020, but I think we all thought this would be over in a couple of weeks. So, um, that's kind of where we were at at the beginning. Um, and then probably fast forward one week later when the reality of what's happening was starting to set in and Peter literally turned to me one day and was like, should we go to city hall right now and get married? Because then we are starting to think not only was the reality of how serious this was setting in, but there are starting to be a sense that like courtrooms and other legal offices wouldn't be open. We did not do that. We did not like hop on the train and go to city hall. Um, although in some, to some extent we probably should have, but um, I would say the next kind of thing that happened was that once it became clear that we would not be able to have an in-person event in June in New York City for 100 people safely, we decided that we did not want to continually postpone our wedding indefinitely, which was what some other people were doing at that point in time, saying like, okay, we won't do it in June. We'll kick it to September. We'll kick it to October. And this was like Elisa's stroke of genius here because like, I mean, I was, as I kind of said before, like I I wasn't, the wedding wasn't front of mind for me. It was just like, there were so many other things going on. So like, it wasn't like, this is like, let's not prioritize this at all. was kind of my perspective. But like, I mean, we can get, maybe we should get married. So we're married, but like the wedding piece of it, like, let's not even think about too much. But I think that like, you know, understanding what was coming and like that, you know, I think considering how many people I know were in this cycle of postponement, canceling, postponement, canceling for like months and months, you know, like I felt that we made such a great call to pivot right then versus like continuing to punt on it. And if we had done that, like, who knows what would have, like, how we would have even, like, done anything or or would we have done anything in the end? Yeah. And the other factor that's real for us and, like, real for a lot of couples. um, So Peter had left his job right at the start of the year, which, of course, ended up being the worst timing ever um, because then COVID came along and it was very difficult to find a job. And so the other factor was that we wanted to get Peter on my health insurance, So, you know, there are ways to get, you know, your partner on your health insurance without getting married. But I think we just kind of felt like it was another reason that we just didn't want to postpone. You're remembering all these things like I've totally forgotten about now. 
I know because I feel <laughs> isn't it weird how it feels like it was yesterday, but it also feels like it was a lifetime ago. Yeah. But I do think it's it's just so funny to remember how we all felt in March 2020 and just how I mean it's still so much confusion over COVID, but like in March, 2020, just like not really knowing that this was going to be something that two and a half years later would still be a factor. Um, it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, so once we sort of decided that we didn't want to postpone and then the only safe option was doing something virtually. And I will say like you read a story in the New York times about a company called Webfully that was helping people get married over zoom. And like, once we started to marinate on that, we were sort of like, actually, I think this could be really cool. Um, and, you know, ever since college, I think I'd been thinking about my wedding as something that I wanted to necessarily, that I didn't necessarily feel inclined to take a traditional approach to. And so all of a sudden, when it felt like hey, wouldn't it be cool to just like do this thing that like people haven't really done before? And actually, there's a lot of reasons this will be really convenient because people won't have to travel and we can just focus the wedding around the aspects that are really important to us, like the speeches, which are always my favorite parts of the wedding. Um, and just, you know, I think we sort of started to see it as a creative challenge that felt actually really exciting to us. It didn't feel like, okay, well, we have to do this over Zoom. Um, it felt like, ooh, what would it be like if we really envisioned this as a sort of digital moment? Um, so we got excited about that pretty quickly. I love that because I think, you know, you guys kind of walked us through what was going on and nobody knew what was literally what was going on or what was going to be happening down the road. And I remember, you know, I had my other couples that had the wedding at the same time. We just postponed an entire year because it was mostly for a, a selfish reason for us. Cause I was like, if we do it now and we postpone a year, none of the design has to change. The color palette has to stay the same and I don't have to change anything. Also, like we don't, we were like, cautiously optimistic that next year will be fine, you know, and even then it was still like not bad, you know, it was still like very different. Um, but yeah, a lot of people definitely postponed like three months and then they postponed three more months. And then I, I think it was so smart that you guys just embraced it and kind of like leaned into it and how it can be different and how you're just taking advantage of what's going on. And and, and yeah, and how wonderfully it actually turned out despite the circumstances that you guys were put in. So now that you've decided, you know, you looked into Wedfully, who I loved, um, they were so great. And then, you know, you're, re, you're planning your reimagined wedding. Um, can you tell us more a little bit about what your priorities were? Like, this is, if we're going to do this, this is what we want to do. And this is what we're going to focus on now for this version of the wedding. Because I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that I mean Lisa touched on it earlier too. I think what people say at weddings is something that is important to her, important to us. And I, I think we were already becoming a Zoom culture very quickly in those few first few months. And while Zoom isn't great for some things, like if you're talking and just expressing yourself with words, it's actually pretty good. Like you can get your point across. And it's like also something we we learn later is just, especially in watching back the video of our wedding is just the intimacy of how close you are to the screen is pretty intense. Like, so we didn't know that then. And, you know, there were a lot of tears during the wedding from all the like intensity of the speeches that happened. But I think that was the first and foremost thing that was possible was like the, the toasts and like our vows could be really cool. Um, I think too, though, that as a result, my big thing was technology, which is usually my approach is like logistics. And it's like, if we're going to, if this is going to be about what we say, we have to make sure that people can hear us and like hear everything clearly. And even if, as our idea became to like do it on the roof of our building in Brooklyn with the, the gracious permission of our landlords, um, you know, that everyone could hear everything we were saying. So like, I quickly was researching like wireless microphones and like, what the right setup would be so that like, if we were spending all this time, um, it was worth it for everyone watching. Yeah. I can't believe obviously does none of the weddings you plan, but I can't believe in general in the world, how many weddings I've been to when it's difficult to hear, like it's outdoor, the wind is going, they have a sound system, but like, so yeah, that was a, that was a huge priority for us was making sure people could see it here. And again, Zoom ended up really facilitating that. 
the other thing that sort of got us excited about the creative direction of doing this digitally was one thing that I knew I wanted to incorporate into my wedding way before we knew what shape it would take way before the COVID of it all was that I have this video footage from when my grandmother got married, which like in my mind, my grandmother got married 50 plus years ago. And like, who even knew there were video cameras then? So that was almost like a shock. It's called film. It's called film. film. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I'm not sure a lot of people have home videos of their grandparents getting married. I think that, I don't know, I guess my, my grand's father was sort of an early, um, an early adopter, an early things. early influencer, early influencer, the OG influencer. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I have this footage of my grandmother's wedding that I thought was so cool and special, and so I knew that I wanted to incorporate that into my wedding. So even when we we're you know talking to hometown barbecue, I was like, "Do you have screens?" Like we know, and you know, a lot of people. Um, I don't know if this is so much of a trend anymore, but like people would do the slideshows at their wedding, and like I always felt like those were really fun. I always loved seeing like the cute pictures of the bride and groom as children and their families. So I knew that I wanted to do something like that. I knew I wanted to use this footage of my grandmother. And then again, over Zoom, it all was just like clicking into place. So I ended up interviewing my grandmother over Zoom. This was before the wedding. I interviewed her over Zoom. I think it was actually the first Zoom call that she did. And I interviewed her and I spliced it together with the footage and I edited it down into this like 90 second video. And then we played that once our wedding kicked off as sort of part of the, um, I don't know, like envision the, in a traditional wedding where you're sort of sitting in your chair waiting for things to start and looking for the program. Prologue. Thank you. Sort of our prologue, our program. Um, So, you know, once we were doing the thing, the video with my grandma, I was like, you know what else we should do? We should do a video about ourselves, which we did. We made a little three minute. This is the story of Elisa and Peter. But because that felt like the, an element of an in-person wedding that we would be missing by doing it virtually. Like there would be people in Peter's, friend group and his family that had never met me before. And at an in-person wedding, they would have some opportunity to talk to me or some opportunity, you know, you sort of by osmosis at those events, learn a little bit about um, the side of the relation or, you know, the side of the couple that you don't know. So it felt important to us to be able to replicate the feeling of getting to know a couple that you get from an in-person event. Um, And, you know, there are so many ways, as we've talked about, there's so many ways that couples have gotten so creative about having a wedding showcase their personality, have people get to know them. And so we really wanted to preserve that aspect of it virtually. And then again, it was like making a video of three minutes and like telling our little stories ended up being such a great way to do that. And I just like, I'm not really sure, like we could have made that video and like played it in a sort of like banquet hall scenario, but I'm just not sure it would have. Like, I don't know. I think that might have almost seemed like kind of like dumpy. It wouldn't have resonated the same way. Sorry. I don't think it would have resonated the same way. Go ahead, Peter. You were going to say something. Yeah. And and also, I think, uh, yeah, because there's a singular focus when you're looking at your laptop or your computer or your tablet or your phone or whatever you're using to watch the wedding. So it's not like, I mean, now I think we all tune out on Zoom calls a lot because we're just like, like, you know, back then it was still a little bit new and novel to see all the stuff and, you know, kind of like, and also having the help from Wedfully to kind of like coordinate all of this and like push play on all the stuff and like not have to worry about it ourselves was just a huge, a huge relief. Um, I think the other thing for me too is like having worked in around music for a really long time, like having music be part of it. And we were just kind of like, do we have a dance party? And like, what's that going to be like? And we're like, well, certainly a dance party that's like, length of a dance party to wedding was out of question because no one's going to stay around that long. I think Elisa is also really good about like, you know, brevity. I think in these, like in the events that she works on, for example, like I think she just is very good about like, how do you get your thing, your point across concisely? How do you make this like really tight and like have it be meaningful? That, that's a way to have it be more meaningful. The longer it drags mm-hmm. out, the less likely it is to be like impactful. And so that was like with the music, it was like, can we make this like 30 minute dance party that has some of our favorite songs? We can get a DJ to do it. So it like really goes quickly and like jumps from song to song. And like we can do our first dance, we can do all those like moments, but just like pack it into the tightest timeline possible. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think what you guys talked about is, you know, what was important to you. Um, the audio 
people being able to hear you, the music, us getting to know you guys. I I was like, you know, we put it on our big, our flat screen TV. We like hooked it up. And I just remember like bawling <laughs> during different parts of the wedding. I was, I mean, and you know, I get emotional in a wedding. I don't know if it was because like it was a totally different experience and it's like giant on our screen or whatever, but I think it was just very emotional, you know, how the audio, the, the songs that you guys picked out, um, us getting to watch the videos of, you know, the, the wedding and getting to know you guys. Cause you know, that I hadn't gotten to know Peter that well. So it was really, really nice to, you know, instead of having the rehearsal dinner to talk to him or cocktail hour to talk to him, which even at a wedding, you don't even get that much time with the couple, um, because you're, you're getting pulled in many directions. And so having the, the ability to still get to know you guys across all the miles was I think very, very, um, really, really strong. Um, and then obviously like the, yes, it's a very good point with audio. I'm always like, even if I look stupid, like walking up and handing them a, a microphone, I will do it because I want people to hear what you're saying. Cause that's like the most important part with the speeches, your vows, that kind of stuff. So I think, yeah, um, paying attention to that was really, really, really important too. So let's, so, you know, we talked about your priorities for the wedding day and people hearing you guys. So as far as like the actual wedding day of like your very small intimate wedding, what was that like? How did you guys prepare, you know, when you were thinking about like what, you know, like the different micro events that you guys want to do, what was, what would take us behind the scenes of that? Okay. So, so, so much last minute crazy. <laughs> so absolute chaos. Um, so yeah, we woke up and it's like pouring rain. And of course the plan had been to like get married on our roof. Um, so it's like pouring rain. <laughs> but I will say like that would have been more stressful to me if we were having a hundred people coming over to sit in the pouring rain. It was kind of like just us. We're like, all right, we can make it work. And the backup plan had been like, if we can't get married in the roof, we'll just move our laptop to our living room and get married there. So it was okay. But, um, you know, it, it, surprisingly, I guess it's true of any wedding day, no matter how big or small it is, you do have a, end up having a lot of things to do. Um, there was so much, uh, last minute things that we were putting together and basically in the final few minutes before we were supposed to be starting, it was like Peter was up on the roof in the rain, trying to like duct tape our cell phones to tripods so that we could like record this thing. None of the like audio, which we already talked about was so important to us. Like none of it was connecting because there was like so much wind and craziness. Um, we actually have like a really funny picture of me in my wedding dress. Oh, which by the way, I didn't pick my wedding dress until the day of the wedding. Um, last minute always, need a deadline. But there's a funny picture of me finally putting my dress on. Um, and I'm just with my hair dryer drying off Peter's jacket because he'd been like fully dry. So it was just like totally chaos. Oh, also too, like if you anyone who does the sort of virtual streaming thing, like I mean, we were it was super DIY for us, but like we there was no, there's no Wi-Fi on the roof of our building. So we were just using like cell service and just praying you yeah. know, that it would work. I mean, it was like, it, it was, it was. Definitely- I do not recommend that at all, but. <laughs> yeah. We also, I mean, we're like. Prayer, thoughts and prayers is not a productive approach. Like literally like finding can, actually um, because of the pandemic, we had stocked up like everyone had on canned goods because we thought it was like literally the apocalypse. Like who knew? But those canned goods came in handy because we put them in tote bags and we're hanging them on the tripod so they didn't blow away like Elisa's veil did when we did like a little bit of a walkthrough yeah. before her veil went flying across the roof and like got stuck in the fence. Yeah. So. And also I had like, I'm obsessed with balloons. Nothing says a party like balloons. And so I wanted to do this huge like balloon garland that we were going to put in the space where we we're doing the reception. And, um, of course I like waited until the morning of to do that, which like, I don't recommend. Um, but like, I don't recommend, but also, I don't know, making balloon art is like my happy place. So it was really part of how I wanted to spend my wedding. There's a photo of Elisa sitting on the floor of our living room with her little balloon inflator, (laughs) like, I mean, near hours before our wedding, like in her pajamas, right? you know, and like, that's just what our wedding day was like. Also to like, think that we had like a little bit of rehearsal a day or two before, but like we had some friends coming over, like our friend Kim was officiating. So she and her husband came, we had our friend Laura who was taking pictures who came over, but we just, people didn't even know how to be in the same place together. And we were just like, 
well, if it rains, like, and we have to go inside, is that okay with everyone? Like, we like, were so scared. Like, it was like, we weren't going to be masked, but like, I mean, that, when I say our vendors, it was like our friend that was like taking the pictures and like our friend who was officiating and her husband, who's also a good pale pal. So it was like a really limited number. But yeah, there was this sort of like, when we were inside, everyone was like nervous to be together because it was just still in that point in the pandemic when there was like, you know, we're really scared. It was obviously like pre-vaccine. Um, but the best thing that happened on the wedding day was, so we had been, Des, obviously we'd been talking. We had wanted to, when we thought we were going to do this in person, like we wanted to bring you on to like make our barbecue dreams come true. And then that kind of all got derailed when it was like, well, actually now we're just getting married at Zoom. But Des, <laughs> expert party planner that she is, sort of was helping behind the scenes to make sure that this day wasn't a complete disaster. And one of the things does that you arranged that ended up being like the best surprise and most special thing in the whole day um, was the flowers. So I don't really know what my plan had been for flowers. I, I guess I just didn't have one. Um, but Des absolutely like knocked it out of the park. And I remember, you know, we're running around. I'm in my pajamas making a balloon arch and like the doorbell rings and it's the florist who had shown up like exactly when she said she was going to show up. And she had all, as florists do, she had all of the buckets of like the most beautiful flowers I'd ever seen. And I just remember feeling like, oh, this is actually all going to be fine. (laughs) I was like, there's a professional here who knows what she's doing. Like there's somebody here who has like a million beautiful flowers and she's just going to like make sure that this looks the way that it needs to look. Um, And she built this whole amazing thing on our roof. I mean, like absolutely stunning. Des, what do you even call that? It was like a... I think we call it like a uh, not balloon, um, like a floral arch, floral floral garland. Because you had given me some, because you know we, because obviously, like I was like I can't help with like the virtual aspect or any aspect. I was like I can help with decor, and you know you had done some decor stuff which we didn't even get into, but like you know sharing the drawings that you'd made so that other all of us at home could kind of decorate our own homes. And so you had done your color story and everything. So I just kind of shared and like you had given me some inspiration on the um, floral vision sort of of like, I was like, well, we have to have like some kind of backdrop for you guys to be getting married. And I just kind of like shared those, that inspiration with her and I'd seen her work and I was like, she'll be perfect. She'll make it look beautiful, whatever it is. I was like, this is, this will happen. Yes, it was absolutely stunning. I also remember, like, you know, as is the case with, like, working. This is, like, why you should not try to DIY every aspect of your wedding. But, like, she was such a pro. And, like, she was literally setting this all up on the roof in the rain. And I just remember being, like, it's great. Like, flowers love rain. I was, like, oh, my God. I feel like this is not true that you're, like, standing here working in the rain. And you're trying to make me sound like it's actually your ideal scenario. But, like, I appreciate it. And one one fringe benefit of this, I don't want to say iffy, like up until the point we actually had the ceremony, we actually had, we postponed it, what, like 15 minutes and we had like this window where it was, the weather was kind of fine to do the ceremony. On the roof. Yeah, it was like biblical. It was like yeah. seriously like, mm-hmm. and like the, yeah. If you believe in those kinds of things. But the, um, but the, but the thing that I wanted to mention was that because of the way our, our roof had no shade. And so Elisa's was very keen on like the lighting, the natural lighting. So if we had, if it had been sunny we would have done the wedding, done this, had the cameras pointed the opposite direction, which is like on that roof had this like um, canvas backing to this fence. It was like all green. Um, and we would have done the flowers there, but because it was overcast, we were able to like pivot and have like this sort of the skyline of like our Brooklyn neighborhood as a backdrop. And the florist was able to create her like arch and everything on the fence, but the opposite direction, yeah. which like in retrospect was like, so much, so much better. better. It just was a, a, it was really just fortunate that we had overcast skies. And like, so again, people are like, Oh, my wedding day isn't sunny, but there's probably some sort of silver lining you'll get from that. Like either you're, someone's not sweating profusely or getting sunburned or whatever. Like there's, yeah. You know, and I feel like this is just giving like so much insight into my bride personality. Where it's like, I was like, I does, I don't know anything about the flowers. Just like, I'll show up and they'll be there. But yeah, I was like, but we can't be back with it. 
you know, <laughs> like those are the kinds of things that I was, but it was true. You can't be backlit. And, but yeah, it is true that the overcast weather did end up being a blessing in disguise because it meant that it was easier to sort of rearrange the setup without having it, um, make all the photos look bad. Yeah, definitely. Um, the backlit situation, but then also like anything with flowers, like flowers can hide a lot and flowers can just make everything look a lot better. So yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So in hindsight, you know, obviously like lots of things happened and it was stressful and, and, you know, but things went really, really well. Do you guys have any like wishes or regrets, even though like it was out of your control? Like I know you said that you couldn't go dress shopping with your family, but it, you know you were able to have the wedding and at least get married in 2020. Was there anything else that you feel like you missed out on because you had a smaller wedding or you had a different wedding or how are you feeling about that? Well, apart from being able to like physically like hug and kiss your family, especially after like some of the toasts and stuff were just that was hard, you know, to not be physically present. Um, but the one thing I will not regret is like we saved a lot of money and it's <laughs> that was a big factor in our life. Like we were able to buy a house, you know, like and do other things that we would have used that wedding money for. So like that was not something I regretted at all, given what we what came out of it. And I think it, it was proof that like, you know, the the solution we came up with was as emotionally impactful as anything we could have done otherwise. Um, and that, you know, was, was really kind of remarkable and something that, I mean, here, like two years later, continually hear from people like people, especially now that we're seeing people that we haven't seen in a really long time. And people always will say like, Oh, your wedding like was so great. You know, like I remember it so clearly. And it was just like a really like amazing little moment in time. Like it was before, like people were had Zoom fatigue and were doing all these virtual events. So we kind of like took advantage of that. Like people were still excited about doing something and people hadn't had a reason to smile or dance or do anything fun for a while. So I think we really like had that, that perfect moment for that. Um, and yeah, I think like, you know, we're seeing over the last, you know, as things have gotten a little safer, like we've been able to see people and like connect with people we would have loved to have been there on the day. But, you know, apart from that, like, you know, literally being able to like hug my mom and my stepdad, you know, like after their toasts and whatever, like, I don't think there's anything I, I missed out from having it the way it was. I agree. We benefited from the timing. Um, but I think Peter, you said it exactly right. It was, it's almost impossible to describe how special and emotional the day felt, even though it was all over Zoom. Um, and one of the big questions people asked us was sort of like, are you going to have a real wedding later? And I stand by two years later, like it was a real wedding. We were, it was honestly like, <laughs> I mean, we got Peter splashing his ring. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it was a real wedding in all the ways that you think of wanting a real wedding to be, which is just filled with love and so special. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely no regrets, like loved every, 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 um, minute and detail about it. And Des, just to take this all back to Colgate, um, you know, one of the funny things about when Des and I graduated, um, you know, of course, our graduation ceremony was at the end of May, just like my wedding was. Um, and it actually, the weather was so bad in Hamilton, New York. It was an outdoor graduation ceremony and it sleeted and snowed in May. It sleeted and snowed. But the point is, that made our graduation this many years later so memorable because it was like such a disaster. And in some ways, I think that was kind of what Peter was saying about our wedding. Like the fact that it was over Zoom and that was really untraditional um, made it kind of memorable in its in its own way. Um, and so it's a very, you know, just the way everyone wants to feel about their wedding just continues to be a very special memory and moment for us. And then the other perk is that we literally have video footage of the entire thing. <laughs> Although one thing I will say too, is that like, if it had gone, if there hadn't been COVID and we hadn't had to make our wedding virtual, I think like having gone through the process of just like planning the wedding, the way it ended up happening, like just gives me faith that our in-person wedding would have been great too. Yeah. Like, like, I just think that we, we ended up coming up with a lot of great ideas and like mostly to Elisa's credit. Cause it's kind of like her, her brain works that way. And just like all these little touches that made it special. Like I totally think we could have had a badass in-person wedding that we would have loved and felt as great about as we do about what ended up happening. But like, 
you know, given the, what the circumstances we were faced with, like I have like no regrets. I think that's awesome because, you know, you really touched on, you know, we talked about what was super important to you guys and you were still able to preserve those parts of the wedding, albeit in a virtual, not in-person way, but because you were still able to focus on those things, you weren't, you don't have to have any regrets, which I think is what some, some people worry about is like, if I have a smaller wedding or if I, if I do this and when am I going to miss out on and what am I going to regret? But I think because you guys were able to focus on that and still realize that, um, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to do a do over or an anniversary party or whatever, because you were still able to connect with so many people. For me, like one interesting sort of like parallels that, you know, I had a bar mitzvah um, and, um, we ended up postponing my bar, my bar mitzvah date was supposed to be in December. So if you've ever been on a bar mitzvah circuit, that's like the end of the line. Like everyone has had their bar mitzvah by December. And we decided that we wanted to have it at home, my parents' house in Maryland. So like, but doing it in the winter was not a possibility. So we just asked the synagogue, could we like push the date to like mid to something like June of the following year? And like, basically it just ended up being like such a great bar mitzvah because like people didn't have that like fatigue of it, you know, like they were, they weren't like over. And like for us, like we had been, we're not spring chickens getting married. We've been to a lot of weddings and it was kind of like, no one needs to like go through this like crazy big wedding thing for us. Like at this point, you know what I mean? Like what? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's not the point you want to make. I just, I guess what I'm saying is that like, like it was, we did something different and special that like fit and kind of coming back to what I said at the very beginning, like we did something special that fit our life and our personalities and like our, our, our passions, our interests. And like the fact that it was, you know, unique because of COVID or unique because of like, you know, we're doing it like in our late thirties versus like in our twenties, you know, like whatever those factors are, it's like, it was, it was important and meaningful and emblematic of us you know, and like, I, and I think you can throw out the other bar mitzvah analogy. I just like, forget I brought it up. I was going, I was going somewhere different with it, but um, anyway, yeah. We can cut that if you need to. Well, Elisa and Peter, this was such a great conversation. I really, really loved talking about this with you guys. I mean, we could talk, talk forever, but um, we do have a time limit. So, Thank you guys again for talking with us. I think a lot of people are going to really appreciate this episode because it's going to be kind of in the different sense of like what you need to do for a wedding. But I think um, there's going to be a lot of awesome takeaways from this episode. So thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed hearing about Elisa and Peter's intimate wedding. Just because it was smaller in size, it does not mean there was any less love or celebration on their wedding day. I hope you all heard from this wedding that there's a range in the types and sizes of weddings. While I will admit that smaller weddings got much more attention and seemed much more on trend during the pandemic, if you're considering having a smaller wedding, go for it. Don't feel pressure from others to plan a day that doesn't feel authentic to you. I also think that that the pandemic created a greater need for virtual options, Peter and Elisa were just at the forefront of implementing this aspect into their wedding. However, you don't need to have a pandemic in order to provide a virtual option for guests who cannot attend. In some events, it's almost become the norm. For example, my daughter's first communion mass was live streamed this past weekend because the church already had the capabilities and they know that some people wouldn't be able to travel to attend it with their families. Also, couples that want to plan destination weddings now that the world is opening up can allow guests to still attend their destination wedding with a range of virtual streaming options. Alisa and Peter talked about Wedfully, but one of our podcast sponsors is Lovestream. I love both Wedfully and Lovestream, and I'm going to link to my reviews of both companies in the show notes for this episode, which can be found at verveventco.com forward slash 66. The episode show notes will be super helpful for you, and I hope that you got a lot out of listening from this episode. If you have any follow-up questions regarding anything we talked about, make sure you drop them in your review on Apple Podcasts, and I will talk about it in an upcoming episode in season three. Speaking of reviews, this week's review comes from Manda the Pirate, who, by the way, has an awesome Apple Podcasts name. Manda the Pirate, aka Manda East, on Instagram writes, a must listen for brides, five stars. 
Every episode I listen to makes me love this podcast even more. I learn so much every time I listen. This podcast is a must listen when planning a wedding. So much valuable information and great ideas for couples. Thank you, Desiree. Yay! Thank you so much, Amanda, for that awesome review. I love that you're learning something every episode. That is exactly why I make the podcast. Sometimes I think, what can I talk about now that I haven't talked about before that people don't actually know? And sometimes I worry that I'm stating the obvious, but I'm super glad that what I'm talking about in the podcast is still helpful for you. Since it's our second to the last episode, I'm definitely going to be sending you a gift card, so make sure you check your DMs so I can get your email address. And guys, that wraps up this week's episode of Ask the Planner. If you're planning an intimate wedding and want a little extra help to make sure you've got all the important bases covered before your big day, you can book a clarity call with me at verveventco.com forward slash clarity. Next week, I'll be back with one final episode for season two, and I'm going to be talking about wedding color palettes and design, which is my top requested topic on Instagram, so stay tuned. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Elisa and Peter on their intimate wedding, and I will talk to you next week. Make sure you connect with me in the meantime on Instagram at Ask the Planner Podcast and on TikTok at Verve Event Co. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I will talk to you all soon. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you.